Welcome to episode 19 of the Princeton Podcast with Mayor Mark Frieda. In this episode, Mark sat down with Anna Carici, the Director of Natural Resources and Stewardship of the Friends of Princeton Open Space. In addition to describing the relationship between Friends of Princeton Open Space and the Billy Johnson Mountain Lakes Nature Preserve, Anna also described her current 18-acre forest restoration project that enables a sustaining habitat for birds, pollinators, and wildlife while providing an enhanced experience for Princeton hikers, runners, cyclists, and bird watchers. So without any further introduction, let's join our host, Mark Frieda, and his guest, Anna Carici, for episode 19 of the Princeton Podcast. Anna, thanks for joining us today. Hi, Mark. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a real pleasure for you to, for us to have you here. Thank you. <laughs> so, Anna, let me start with this one. Hey, could you give us the elevator speech telling us what Friends of uh, Princeton Open Space, what is it? What do they do? Sure. Friends of Princeton Open Space is, a, is your local nonprofit organization here in Princeton. Uh, we protect natural resources, preserve open space, maintain hiking trails, and provide environmental education opportunities to the public. Behind the scenes, there's a dedicated board of some 18 members who are all volunteers who offer a variety of talents to the organization. Um, I'll also mention that Bobos has raised over $4.5 million for the purchase and preservation of land and has worked to establish over 1,000 acres of parkland, which include Mountain Lakes Park, the Stony Brook Regional Trail, and Woodfield Reservation. Just that? Geez. Okay. <laughs> so, um, it, it, first of all, I must say, what Friends of Princeton Open Space have done is, is, is pretty impressive. But what do you, what do, you do there? What, what's your role? Right. So, I'm our Director of Natural Resources and Stewardship. I pretty much speak for the trees. <laughs> um, I work exclusively at Mountain Lakes Park, which is located in Princeton. And my role is to steward and protect the preserve's natural resources as well as engage uh, the community in our effort. Um, I spend a lot of time outdoors battling invasive species, planting trees, monitoring our restoration projects, and I also mentor student interns and host frequent volunteer sessions at the preserve. Um, Of course, in the background, there's a lot of research and planning required to define our projects, seek funding, execute them, So that work might include grant writing, reporting, ordering native plants, working with contractors, networking and forming new partnerships. So there's a bit of science and a bit of creativity, I think, that makes it all work. Great. Um, So what is the relationship between FOPOS and uh, Mountain Lakes Park and uh, other open space parks that, that you guys get involved in? Sure, so uh, Friends of Princeton Open Space played a leading role, as I understand it, to preserve the park back in the late 80s when it was up for development. We hold the conservation easement to the 75-acre parcel that makes up the Billy Johnson Mountain Lakes Nature Preserve, and we also hold adopt-a-park agreements with two adjacent properties, the um, Old Woods of John Witherspoon Woods and also um, Community Park North. So that comes to a total of some 400 acres of public open space, um, which has about nine miles of trail. Uh, I'll add that a lot of people think the town 
takes care of all the stewardship work and trail work at Mountain Lakes Preserve, but really it's a partnership and it's our board and volunteers who do most of that type of work. We are supported by the township in big ways when we create these huge piles of invasive plant material with volunteers. They come and haul all the debris away, which is a big help. Um, They'll provide plants sometimes. They remove a lot of the hazardous and dying ash trees, which are a problem at the park. Uh, So, yeah, and any um, big engineering and permitting projects, the town takes over. So currently they're helping uh, rebuild some bridging that uh, had got washed away during Hurricane Ida. Um, And they were also involved in the renovation of the dams before my time. Okay. Um, So what is going on today with FOPOS? Um, What are some of the key activities happening, you know, now? All right. Yeah. So we have a a big 25-acre riparian restoration project that we're focused on at the preserve. So this is 25 acres that buffer mountain lakes. It's inlet and outlet streams, uh, and we're committed to planting 7,500 native plants in this area following the removal of all the invasive plants that have infested the understory. Uh, uh, Riparian areas are simply the area of land next to the water, so they play an important role in protecting water quality, Uh, slowing down and filtering out pollutants. And so that's why we're focused on this project. If you've been to the preserve, the lake is the centerpiece of the park. Uh, The water that flows through mountain lakes uh, does flow through the Stony Brook onto the Raritan, which is an important drinking water source for central New Jersey. Um, And our work will also help to provide critical habitat for aquatic animals and other plants that rely on native high quality habitat. Uh, Currently on this project, our volunteers are helping to remove these invasive plants. So we have lots of volunteer sessions on this kind of work. And uh, in the fall, we'll be taking on a major planting effort. So are people actually climbing it, getting in the, in the lake itself and in the streams to remove some of this, or is it just on the edges or? We're on the edges. You definitely get some muddy boots when you're working out (laughs) by the lake um, or you have some of the wetter weather we've had. Uh, But it's also very scenic and enjoyable to work by the water. We've seen either a muskrat or beaver uh, swimming about. You almost always get a guarantee you'll see the great blue heron. So it's a lovely area to work. Yeah. And And people have really been noticing it. That Lake Loop Trail, the Green Trail, is, I think, one of the most popular trails at the preserve. Oh, it is a beautiful setting. And, and if you're volunteering and helping you, right, you're outside. So you're, you're outside and you're getting exercise. So That's it's all, right. So it's all good. Um, so anyway, this sounds like it's, it's a pretty big project. I mean, you're, the number of plants you're going to plant, this, everything that you've removed and you're still removing. Um, you know, how, 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 you, how, how long is this going to take? How are you going to get it all done? I mean, I know you, you have people helping you. I mean, Interns, seasonal staff, volunteers. How, how do you put all this together? Yeah, so this it's a multi-year project, and it certainly takes a village. It's, it's definitely not just me out there. So since <laughs> my start with FOPOS, um, I really focused on growing our volunteer base and community. So in addition to 
just having more and more folks from the public show up to volunteer stewardship sessions. We've also been engaging more with student community groups, corporate groups who come out even on the weekdays and help us uh, make a big dent in this project. Uh, I'm also excited to announce that this year we're going to have seven interns um, in the season. So three have already been hired and they've been out there working with me. They're from Rutgers University and also Mercer County College. They're studying biology, ecology, and plant science. So they're in the right place. Uh, we're also going to have four student interns from Princeton University through the High Meadows Environmental Institute program. Um, and their focus, along with the other interns, is going to be on developing practical monitoring and surveying protocols for our use on project sites and just general tracking of ecological changes over time in Princeton. What are some of the uh, surveying and monitoring projects that you and the interns will be working on uh, over the summer? Sure. So like I said, we're going to be test, we're going to be surveying um, ecological data. So we're going to do some turtle surveys, some insect surveys, uh, soil and water quality testing, um, and some floristic quality assessments. What does that mean? Floristic or what was that word? So yeah, so floristic quality assessment. So there's actually an index that was created uh, that rates uh, plants based on their conservation value. Uh, and if you find plants with a high value, that usually indicates high quality habitats. Those plants would not be able to exist there had the site been very disturbed or farmed and such. And so that we use that tool to help us prioritize, you know, in a preserve that's 400 acres big with all kind of varied habitat, how do we prioritize projects and areas to work on to make sure that we're doing, um, we're really optimizing resource management over there. That's great. I learned a new word today. <laughs> um, okay. So uh, obviously you had a life before you came to uh, Friends of Princeton Open Space. Uh, so where, where were you before? Doing similar work, different or? Yeah. So before I, uh, I grew up in Jackson, New Jersey. Huh. So about an hour away, it's yeah. where Six Flags is. It's quite different because it's the Pine Barrens yep. and here we're in the Piedmont. Um, so New Jersey does offer a lot of diversity that's fun to explore. After uh, leaving Jackson, I went to college uh, out in Ohio. So I went to Oberlin College and I studied biology and environmental studies. And then I came back to the area and lived in Philly for a decade. In Philly, I worked the majority of the time for relevant work. So a small landscape design company that was focused on ecological practices. Uh, we worked over in the main line in the community outside the city. And uh, I, New Jersey has a lot of um, forested land that is in private hands. We worked on a lot of residential landscapes, and I can't emphasize enough how important it is to take matters into your own, own hands in your own yard. You can really make a difference managing the habitat or woodland spaces you already have. You can plant natives. You can reduce lawn. Yeah, which which luckily is getting a lot more attention these days. People, yes, you know, let's let's just not aim to have, you know, pretty green grass everywhere, and you know, a little bit of nature is a, a fine thing. Exactly, and if you come, if folks come out to our volunteer sessions, I always like to emphasize the work we do at the preserve can directly translate into the work 
you could do in your own yards. And some volunteers have let us know, oh, you know, we're, we're planting bladder nut and this other plant. Now we've gone and planted it at home. So it's very rewarding to see that. So another reason to volunteer, you get fresh air, you get exercise and you learn, you can steal the things you learn and take them back to your own yard. Exactly. There we go. Um, you know, one thing during COVID, you know, I heard that the number of people visiting Mountain Lakes Nature Preserve increased significantly. Can you, uh, can you comment on that? Sure. That's absolutely true. It was, it was just blatantly apparent. If you were in the park, the parking lot was always full. The driveway was crowded. Uh, I think that before COVID, Prince, uh, Mountain Lakes Park was one of Princeton's best kept secrets. I would tell people where I was working. They wouldn't always know. <laughs> now it seems everyone knows. Uh, and of course, we're very happy to see so many people benefiting from the open space park. Lots of people are able to just walk over from neighboring schools and neighborhoods. So uh, it's great to see. Yeah. Well, it's an easily accessible park. It's a great park. I mean, there's a lot there, as, as you've told us now so far during this session. I mean, there's the views and everything you're going to see are pretty, pretty darn nice. Um, so a real jewel, of course, is the Mountain Lakes House. And I, and I believe that the Friends of Princeton Open Space, or FOPOS, as I've been saying, um, do manage that. And it's available for rental. And I think that's still true. But I'll tell you a little story about that, is that back when they first started renting that out, when I got married, we had our wedding reception there. And we were actually the second wedding reception to, to use, the, use the house. I was hoping to be the first, but I got knocked out by somebody. I don't know who. I forget now. It was a long time ago. But is the house still rented out, and what happens with it that? It is, and I'd be curious to know how many weddings there's been in total now, because it seems like <laughs> every every weekend, um, spring through fall, it's booked with weddings. And it's there's nothing like coming out of the field, muddy, sweaty, all that, and there's you know a bride and all these ornate <laughs> flowers, and you're just trying to creep by, <laughs> grab your water, and get out of their way. Um, but yes, it's still rented for wedding events. I also see showers, even group meetings hosted there. Uh, so definitely a nice, a nice venue, uh, and the outdoor space there had made it really popular during COVID as well. Overlooks the lake. Yeah, lovely. Yeah, I know for ours, we actually put a tent out on the front lawn, and that's where we had all the tables and chairs. And then we had like the cocktail hour or whatever you want to call it on the back terrace, and the terrace has since had some more additional work done to it. So you're overlooking the lake, as you said. But yeah, it is a, I mean, for a wedding reception or any type of nice gathering, it's a beautiful, beautiful setting. It's it's also where my office is, so that's another uh, perk. Wow, nice. <laughs> perk nice. of the job. Well. So we're going into all this detail, just making sure everybody that listens understands there's a really great option when you need to uh, to rent something for uh, for a get together. Uh, the Mountain Lakes House is a great uh, a great option. So anyway, um, let me ask you a different question. Uh, I want to support Friends of Princeton Open Space. Well, you know, do I join? Do I? What do I do? How do I do that? Yeah, so you can certainly become a member if you're not already, and that helps support all the ambitious work that we do. Uh, you can also join our crew of land stewards, our volunteers. You could just simply go on the website to either become a member or sign up. And you can, of course, make a, make a donation to the cause. We also have a campaign specifically to fund our riparian restoration project. It's a Donate a Tree campaign. And you can specifically choose the tree you want to donate. So we have Sweet Bay Magnolia, which is a gorgeous tree. 
swamp white oak. And I think the other one on there is black gum, which gets a beautiful red fall color. Yeah. And I know once you, you know, so a lot of times I think people that listen to these podcasts get the idea that I ask questions, even though I know the answers to, or that I say, how do I support a group that I actually support? And I do support this group. And it's interesting that the, all the emails that you'll get that talk about many of the things that you've mentioned already. So, you know, if you support the group, you get updates, you get invitations, hey, come help volunteer, do this, do that. So it's really a great way to stay in touch with what's going on at, at Mountain Lakes and just everything that the group is doing. Yeah, and I'll, and I'll add, um, with our internship program this year, of course, we're focusing on the ecological monitoring and surveying projects I described. But additionally, there's a, there's a focus we have on providing more environmental education opportunities to the public or other groups. So our interns will all be working on a project like that as well. I could tell you one, um, Holly from Rutgers, she has already decided she's going to host a bird walk at the preserve, but with a specific focus on learning common bird sounds and recognizing them, which is, um, as I've discovered, more often than not, the way you know what's there. You're not always going to get to see the birds, especially when stuff leaps out. So that's an important component of bird surveying. That's pretty cool. Um, all right, so we talked about how we can how we can support friends of Princeton Open Space. So I want to go back to you guys are going to plant. What'd you say, seven thousand or seventy five hundred new? So yeah, seventy five hundred. Oh my gosh. So anyway, how? I mean, how do you decide you're going to plant that many? I mean, how many different types of things are you planning? And just, I mean, that's an incredible number. Yeah, so it's it's layered. It's made up of trees, shrubs, and herbaceous plants, just like the forest grows. And there's various sizes that will help with filling in the canopy and providing kind of immediate refuge habitat for various wildlife. Uh, we're actually modeling the project after the forest restoration project, which we had completed last year. This was an 18-acre forested site, also at Mountain Lakes Preserve, and uh, we finished it last year with great success. It had a similar number of plantings, uh, and although slightly smaller. Yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to imagine how I yeah, so in the forest site, I think we had over 40 different species of woody plants, all sourced from the Piedmont. Let me ask you, um, I know you said you have a board of like 18 people, so there must be officers of, of Friends of Princeton Open Space. Can you mention like maybe who some of those yeah, people are? Yeah, so um, one of the board members that I work most clo closely with is uh, Clark, who heads the trail crew, and he... Uh, was kind of my liaison in the field and the goings-on in FOPOS when I first started. There's also Wendy Mager, who uh, is a champion for acquiring and preserving open space in Princeton uh, and is a really dedicated president <laughs> yeah. to our organization. Uh, we have Anna Ree, who joined more recently, and she actually studied biology at Princeton University. Uh, yeah, and lots, lots and others. of others. Yeah, others. We have, we have, um, I don't have we have writers, we have um, historians, architects. So all these people play different roles uh, in in getting these projects through. Right. Um, 
So part part of what I want to emphasize here again is uh, people can go to the the website for Friends of Princeton Open Space and look at ways to uh, donate. They can volunteer through the through the website. And as I said, you know, if you do get involved, then you'll get a regular. I'll call it a newsletter. I think it's a newsletter, but anyway, you get regular emails from Foposts to, to keep up to date and see what these different opportunities are. Um, is there anything else about the, you know, this this whole project that you guys are doing now about taking out the invasive species? And so, let me ask you something. Explain what an an invasive species is, because I, I know people hear the term a lot, and I don't know that everybody really understands what that is. Sure. Yeah. So invasive plants um, in their home range. So invasive plants are plants that um, come from another area of the globe. And when they are dispersed to a new area, so say it's a plant from China and it comes over here, it does not have the same checks and balances as it does in its homeland. And it can cause ecological harm among other issues. Uh, So I think One of the biggest arguments for that is an invasive plant in its home range, it can, so in its native range, not invasive there, it can host a lot of insects. It can support lots of wildlife, um, really fuel the food chain. But when it comes here, even after 100 years or so, it feeds very little insects. Plants and insects co-evolve and they become specialized. And uh, I think that's one of the biggest arguments for planting native plants. So if you think of the food web, if you think of trophic levels, you need to produce insects. Uh, and yeah. and that's what native plants do. Yeah, so part of it people really have to understand is, you know, when you go to a, a nursery or look through a book about here's all the different bushes and plants that you could do, um, even though things are offered to you by people, they might not be native. And you really have to to do a little bit of research and figure out, well, if I want to want to protect what what happens in my own area, I really need to be picking the cor- correct plants. I mean, there's a lot to this. That's absolutely true. And I think some of the reason, a lot of invasive plants do come from ornamental uh, landscaping trade. And uh, a lot of times I hear homeowners say, well, mine stays controlled. My barberry doesn't go anywhere. It's just always here. But you can't control the bees. You can't control the birds pollen moves, berries get dispersed, and and that's why these plants have spread to the woodland. And they're kind of, it was described to me once almost as biological trash, because they're taking up a lot of space and they're not offering much at all. Which which is interesting, because for the town, we're redoing Witherspoon Street, and we and we're really, I mean, we're digging up the entire street, utilities underneath and everything. And the Bradford pears that were there had to come down. And the Bradford pears, which were big starting in the 1960s, are now considered to be an invasive species in this section of New Jersey. Maybe, I don't know where else. Well, I'm not an expert on this. But, you know, it's interesting that something that was promoted nationwide as, hey, here's a great street tree. Now they're saying, well, these trees, because, you know, the, the birds eat the the berries or the, I don't know what they, they eat something from the tree and then not to get too graphic, the birds spread these through a natural means and far and wide and these trees are growing everywhere and they, and there's nothing to stop them. So, you know, people really have to think about, okay, maybe I could have put this ornamental whatever there, but it's infecting the, the whole ecosystem. I mean, so. Exactly. Even the deer don't like 
to eat invasive plants. And, you know, we, if, if you're from New Jersey, you see they, they like to eat a lot of things. Yeah. But it's rare that they'll eat invasive plants, and that's part of the contributing factor because they'll keep eating our native plants and, and they're not eating the invasive plants. So the invasive plants get to take over more and more cover um, in addition to other pressures that exist. Yeah, so there's a nature has its own balance and we shouldn't play with it too much. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, a delicate balance that we still haven't figured out. <laughs> no, we do find ways to mess it up, that's for sure. Um, okay, is there any other uh, great questions you were hoping I was going to ask you or... Um, well, I'll just, I don't know if I mentioned this before that our next volunteer event is on uh, Saturday, May 28th. So it's coming up. Uh, we meet over at the Mountain Lakes Preserve. And again, to sign up, you can uh, go to our website. Um, and we have sessions in the morning and afternoon, nine to noon, and then also one to four. And we have additional dates if you can't make it then in June and July. So you can just check out the website and give it a go. Uh, there was, there's one project I'll mention that I'm particularly excited about. Uh, it's in collaboration with another woman named Anna, who is a student at Mercer County Community College. We met uh, at one of the volunteer events she, she attended. And she is in a mycology club, so mushrooms, fungi, at her campus, and we got to talking. and. Um, she's now going to do her honors project in collaboration with Phobos on this subject uh, that involves micro-restoration. Uh, so, so what we're looking to do is see if it would be affected, effective to apply uh, fungi to invasive plants, whether it's with a mycelial plug or a spore slurry, and if that would help us curb their growth. So in some instances, you can consider the application, maybe it could serve as a substitute for herbicide, or maybe it could be used in more sensitive areas. Uh, so I'm excited about that. It's an adaptation from a, uh, a, a timber harvest method where um, the forester was seeking to, uh, to use spore slurries when cutting timber to encourage uh, the rebounding of the forest health and ecosystem. And so we're, hope, we're hoping to use it for that same purpose, only on invasive plants. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So there'd be a, a natural way to help to control that. Exactly. And then additionally, uh, fungi offer so many benefits to the ecosystem, for wildlife, for holding water, for breaking down and making nutrients available. So there's a lot of added bonus to just incorporating them in the ecosystem. Yeah. We actually, earlier this spring, we took a walk, we collected some samples of turkey tail mushroom and she actually has them in the lab at her school. She's isolating and growing the fungus and uh, we're, we're looking forward to giving it a go this later this season. Well, that's great to hear, right? Because here you are encouraging research, encouraging perhaps new methods to do something that's worthwhile. And then, you know, you guys will get your names on the, on the map. The Friends of Princeton Open Space will get their names on the map again. Mountain Lakes will get its name on the map again. So, wow, it's pretty impressive. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, I want to thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. Learned a lot. 
Thanks so much. Again, thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us for the 19th episode of the Princeton Podcast, produced as a community service by HG Media, providing audio and video production services here in Princeton since 1999. If you enjoyed this episode of the Princeton Podcast, please share it with your friends and be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts.